Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we have Ryan O'Callaghan, former Patriots offensive tackle, uh, the author of a new book, My Life on the Line, about him being a closeted uh, NFL player and then coming out as gay afterwards. Uh, it's a fascinating uh, conversation and a really great story, so it's definitely worth a listen. We also just are going to uh, touch briefly on the David Andrews situation, um, and so stick around for that. It's a great episode, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's Let's good. Intercepted. Intercepted by Matthew Butler. Butler has it at the one. Matthew Butler stepped in front of the throw. And the Patriots have possession with 20 seconds to go. Zero more games until the opener next Sunday. I can't wait, man. It's uh, it's getting a little chilly in the mornings. It's smelling <laughs> like fall. Smells like football. I think Alex Barth tweeted that yesterday, and it was the uh, the most real thing ever. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's been a long off season, especially for uh, the Patriots, and uh, I can't wait to get it going. Yeah, it has been, and it's uh, but it's great, and we're right around the corner, and gonna drop that six banner pretty soon, and. Uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a heck of a night. Uh, that's gonna be a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah. So that's so that's uh, it's gonna man. I, I just I, I'm like speechless right now because we're right there. Like I just can't even like I can't even formulate words. I'm so damn excited. It's crazy weekend. though. I mean, it's and it's been the first summer for us really where we were kind of on a strict schedule. Not not in a bad way, but you know, focusing on just the Patriots and yep. you know when when you do that once a week, it's it gets not boring to an extent, but you want to talk football. You know, we, we had a lot of fun with it this off season. I know we've talked about it a little bit before, but um, you know, it, it's finally football season. It's so exciting. Like I just had my fantasy draft this past weekend. We were texting back and forth. I'm, I'm amped. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great, man. I, every time I think about sitting in my seat, you know, on, on September yeah. 8th and watching rub it in, will you? Drop, what's man? the news on those giants <laughs> tickets, Pat? What's the news on those giants? I'm tickets? working. I'm know. working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> But uh, but listen, we have we have a great interview with Ryan O'Callaghan coming up. But before we get into that, we do want to talk about this David Andrews situation. Um, obviously, it's a scary situation. Uh, he was hospitalized um, 
He's hospitalized with uh, blood clots in his lungs, which is terrifying. Uh, you know, and the reports out have just basically said that his his season is in jeopardy. So they haven't said for sure whether he's going to be out for the season or whether he's going to be able to play again. They haven't said for sure whether he's going to be completely healthy and whether he's going to be fine with this. We don't know. We don't really know anything right now. And that's so that's obviously scary. I think the biggest concern, obviously, is for him and for his health, um, obviously. You know, and so you hope that he's okay. Um, but then obviously, you know, because we're talking about the Patriots, let's kind of transition to the, you know, to the to the field. And it looks like if if the roster stays the way it is right now, that Ted Karras is going to be the starting center week one. Um, and that's, I mean, I think Karras yeah, did a good job. Whole... David Andrews, David Andrews. I mean, like, goodness oh, no, sake. yeah, he does so much for them. I mean, um, like I said, praying for him and I hope the best because he's a great person. Um, you know, he went to Israel this summer with Robert Kraft. He raved about the the type of person he was. Obviously, went undrafted. Uh, very thankful to be a Patriot, and uh, you know, represented a great leadership role these past couple of years. Uh, they're gonna miss him for for any of the games that he's out, whether it's one, two, or the whole season. Um, but like you said, kind of transitioning into now. I mean, Ted Karras, kind of that next man up mentality. I know Shalte Froholt played a little bit of center in college, and Somebody tweeted out that he had over 200 snaps there in the preseason, um, kind of in practice and in camp. So they have mm-hmm. some experience there. But as far as a leadership leadership role goes, Andrews was the the quarterback of that line. He kind of, um, you know, made that line go, made sure everybody was set pre-snap, and he shut down Aaron Donald and uh, that that tremendous pass rush uh, that the Rams had in Super Bowl 53. Right. Well, and that's and that's part of the difficulty is that when you have the center position you know, that guy is the one calling out the block, the protection and, you know, based on what he sees out there. And so Brady's obviously can, you know, can manipulate different things here and there, but the center for the most part is the one that's calling out the protection. And so that, that can make a massive difference. And like you said, he, you know, he stopped Aaron Donald and I think Froholt, while he did play a little bit in college and he probably has taken some snaps in camp and everything, he, he's looked shaky in the preseason. He's had a ton of penalties, and I, mentally, he's just trying to grasp it. And I understand that he's a rookie, so it's challenging. But I I just I don't know if I feel comfortable with him playing center. I think it's going to be Karras unless they go out and trade for someone. They do have some depth at other spots. So maybe they say, OK, let's give someone up to get, you know, some sort of center who's on his last year of his deal or, you know, who knows, you know, uh, something like they did with um, with uh, Brown last year you know, at left tackle. So it could be something like that um, where you look at well, it and say, okay. I, you, you know, know Ted Karras is in the last year of his deal. And, uh, you know, Brian Phillips of the pulpit kind of tweeted out on Monday when this news broke, Karras is in the last year of his deal. You know, they're going to get him, you know, working. He's looked great all camp. You've seen that he's looked, uh, you know, really, really well, uh, really since August. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to get a lot of chances here, especially if they don't trade for someone. And Andrew does miss, you know, the season. He's got a chance to earn it and, and get himself a good payday in March because, you know, when when Andrews does come back, it's his job. Right, right. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I don't think you can look at. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's going to be challenging. It's definitely going to be challenging to recover from him, and not just not just from a playing standpoint, like you said, in the locker room, and you know, having that leadership around is so so hugely important for every team, but also for the Patriots, they rely on that so much. Um, and so, you know, I think it's going to be really important for them to do. So 
but we'll see. I mean, like I said, the first, you know, we, like we both said, like the, the number one thing is his health and, you know, him being healthy and, you know, everything like that. And so hopefully, you know, we hope for the best there that he will be healthy and that everything will be fine. Um, and obviously, you know, if he can come back and play, that'd be great. But, you know, if he can't, it, it's really about him being healthy. That's the most important thing here. So absolutely, Pat. So anyways, uh, with that being said, let's get into this interview with uh, Ryan O'Callahan. Again, he is awesome. Former- awesome football talk in that, that interview. Obviously we ask him a little bit of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, some teammate questions, talk a little bit about the 07 team. So it, it's awesome. And he tells an awesome story. I think you guys will really like it. Yeah, it really is. And uh, so he obviously was a former tackle for the Patriots and the chiefs and he has a new book coming out. And it is, and you'll hear him say it anyways, but it is, uh, it comes out on September 3rd and it's called my life on the line. And, uh, and you'll hear him anyways, say it, but I'll say it again here, just so you remember all the proceeds from this go to his foundation. That's the Ryan O'Callaghan foundation. Every single dollar that he makes on this project, on this book will go to his foundation. And that in, in case you're looking for it online, you can Google Ryan O'Callaghan Foundation, or you can go to rofdn.org, and you can donate there as well if you'd like to. So, uh, you know, really great interview, and so stick around for that, and uh, we'll just play you out with that, and we'll talk to you. Matter of fact, we'll talk to you tomorrow because we're going to be back with uh, instant reaction to the 53-man roster. So here's Ryan O'Callaghan, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, we are joined by Ryan O'Callaghan. He is a former offensive tackle for the Patriots and the Chiefs, and he is the author of a new book coming out, um, I believe, next week called My Life on the Line. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So listen, when we get started before, I guess, as we're getting started, just briefly kind of recap your story and kind of what, what brought you to this point. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Northern California, about 200 miles north of San Francisco. And then I went to college at the University of California at Berkeley. And from Berkeley, I got drafted by the New England Patriots, played there for three years, and then went on to the Chiefs for another three years. Uh, What makes my story unique is my whole life, my whole career, um, I was hiding a secret. Um, I'm gay. And I chose football as a cover uh, for my sexuality. You know, I relied on basically everybody's ignorance, especially, you know, around where I grew up and family that people wouldn't think that, you know, this big macho offensive lineman would be gay. And I used that to my advantage. Um, I never thought that family or friends would ever accept me based off things I heard as a child coming out of their mouths about gay people. And that drove me deeper and deeper into the closet and into a depression. And, you know, my, my plan, um, you know, looking back, it, it's ridiculous. But my plan my whole life was to play football as long as possible. And then in my life, um, if it wasn't for the trainer for the Chiefs, noticing that I was acting funny at the end of my career, um, you know, I wouldn't be here today. He he noticed I was abusing painkillers, didn't know why. And he set me up with a uh, psychologist that worked with 
the Chiefs, not for the Chiefs, is to work with the Chiefs. And after months of talking with Dr. Wilson, um, you know, I, I finally said the words, I'm gay to someone for the first time ever. And um, that's what really changed my life and um, put me on the path that I'm on today towards helping others that are in the same position I'm in. Um, you know, I can say with confidence there are plenty of other closeted football players and NFL players out there. Yeah, I'm sure there are. And I mean, the story is is really a captivating one. And I think, too, that it really shines a light on something that and I think the way you put it was that, you know, nobody's ever going to think that a big football player would be gay. Right. I mean, I, you know. I played football in high school and a little bit in college as well. And that's, you would never, I would never think that a person in my locker room would have been gay because at that point we, I was just ignorant to it. And, and, and you don't, you know, we have so many stereotypes that look at it a certain way and, you know, and unfortunately I think what comes from it is, and you talked about, you know, one of the things you talked about, you know, in, in your, in the article was about, um, you know, quote unquote, straight talk. And I think that that's something where it's an interesting situation because even though we're not, you know, and in my experiences, right, I wasn't like, you know, we never bash gay people or anything like that in the locker room. But, you know, if you could just talk about that just a little bit, I think that just, I think it's just such an interesting little tidbit that we don't even think about when we're with a group of guys like that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's one of the things I talked about in the book was, you know, I get asked a lot about homophobia in the NFL and you know that I didn't I didn't encounter a lot of homophobia homophobia necessarily you know I, I did from a coach here and there but um, more than that it was just the guys in the locker room uh, talking about all the women in their life or you know for a weekend or, or something like that and um, it's conversations like that where you get in the middle of as a closeted gay guy and you know everyone's sharing their stories you know and they turn to you and and you know they want your they they want you to tell tell your tales from the weekend and you know, how do you respond to that you know so that that automatically puts you in a position where well for one you, you got to have a plan to back out of it or just be able to lie really really well um yeah. so so Ryan I, oh sorry to cut you off i i had an interesting question too um, kind of relating both here to, to football. Um, so you mentioned in your story, you, you used uh, football to kind of cover it up and, you know, it, you kind of use it as a way to, you know, hide it and all. Did, did you enjoy the game of football or, or was it kind of just your way to, to kind of escape? You know, I, I love competing basically at anything in life. And, and yeah, yeah. Football is one of the most competitive things you can do. But, you know, the, the sport itself – <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's kind of silly. I mean, you're, you're just hitting each other and moving a ball down the field. But, you know, I, lo I love the, the the competition part of it. Sundays were Sundays were always awesome. But, uh, yeah. you know, and now looking back, I, you know, I just I don't watch football because, for one, I'm not just – I'm not just not a big fan of it. But, you know, I tend to associate football with those times in my life where I was miserable, quite frankly. Well, I'm sure, too. You kind of have almost that – PTSD type of feeling when you, you know, that association with the game, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have massive respect for 
you know, the guys that play and the coaches and the work everyone puts into it, but you know, it's just, it's just not for me. Yeah. No, I, I think everyone can understand that for sure. Um, I, I would just out of, you know, and obviously there's no, uh, I guess, right answer to this, but you know, why do you think it's so difficult for people in the league in particular? Now I can't even imagine how difficult it is just for any, no, any person, you know, I don't want to say normal person, but any person that's struggling with that to come out in the first place, but for someone to be in, you know, in a league like the NFL or even the NBA or anywhere where there's so much media coverage and there's so much going on, you know, what do you think the biggest, um, uh, I would say like obstacle for them to, you know, to be openly gay in the league would be. Yeah. Well, professional sports and, and really football specifically, it, it's one of those professions that you really dedicate your life to for, for whatever reason, you know, me was staying closeted, other people is a different reason. And, it's it's tough as a closeted player to do something like coming out that you see as potentially jeopardizing your career. Um, you know, you have such a short amount of time to make as much money as possible. And when you're closeted and you have this doomsday thing going on in your mind of if you ever came out, it would be awful. You know, it's hard to convince someone otherwise that, listen, you know, it would be okay and it actually might end up benefiting you in the long run for, for coming out. Um, hmm. You know, what, what would make a difference? Heck, uh, maybe guaranteed money on contracts like they do in some other leagues, just so you don't feel like you're jeopardizing something. But, uh, you know, it, it's tough to, it, it's tough to get to the point where you, know, you can, you know, feel okay with just coming out and, and, you know, being open to that judgment that you feel like you're going to get from teammates and fans. Right. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I can't, I mean, obviously I I can't even imagine the pressure regardless and, you know, to have all the media spectacle and everything like that around it as well. Um, you know, I think I would think would be, would be overwhelming, um, which is unfortunate. You know, it really is unfortunate that people struggle so much with it. And that's why I think your story is so important because, it shows a person who struggled and battled so long and, you know, fiercely kept this secret. And then, you know, once it finally came out, not only are you, you know, personally doing so much better, but the people around you, you know, uh, well, and I don't know how, you know, how your family accepted it. I mean, obviously fairly well, but like, you know, the, the Scott Pioli story I thought was, you know, was amazing. And, and uh, if you could just tell that story a little bit, but I just thought, you know, realizing that everyone was actually kind of behind you and not, and not going to freak out the way that you had been envisioning your whole life. Yeah. I, I had built this up in my head as some giant thing that I, you know, I thought I'd never be able to overcome or live with. And I, I couldn't be more wrong about it. You know, my, some of my family was a little slow to come around, but you know, as a kid and growing up, I envisioned, you know, door slamming people yelling at me to get out of their life and everything else like that. And, that just wasn't the case. And, you know, I found support from people I, I really never expected. You know, you mentioned Scott Pioli. Scott, so Scott was the player personnel director, uh, general manager from New England when I got drafted. And then he went over to Kansas City when they did the big shift in the coach and the general manager. So he took the GM job over there and I became available and he brought me over to Kansas City. 
so Scott and I, you know, we had a working relationship. Um, but you spend enough years passing someone in a hall, you, you start having conversations and, mm. you know, you build, you know, you build up more than just a, a boss employee thing. And so Scott and I chatted quite a bit and, um, you know, we realized just through conversations that we had some similarities growing up, just things that happened with family. And so Scott and I got, uh, you know, pretty close, closer than the average GM player. And, um, but when it came time to cut me, he cut me. So, you know, there's that. And, uh, so Scott, Scott and I were pretty close. And when uh, he knew what was going on with me and, and my painkiller addiction and um, that I was speaking with a therapist that, you know, the trainer had um, lined me up with someone, but he didn't know why. And I was always very honest with him. And, you know, when the time came and I came out to my family, I just, I felt I owed it to Scott to, you know, complain with him and tell him what was going on. and. So I, I gave him a ring and met him in his office there at the facility for the Chiefs and it took me a while to to tell him, you know, that was, you know, right after I came out and um, it was still really hard just telling people because I was still really worried about, you know, what they would say. And after I told him, he basically said, okay, so what was the problem? What's your big deal? What's going on? What do you want to talk to me about? Like he didn't even, he really didn't even think twice about it. It wasn't a big deal to him at all. And I, I was, I was shocked. And, you know, since then I've, I've, Scott and I have gotten even closer and, um, you know, but I should have known better. Scott's done so much for, for different people across the league, and, you know, hiring the first female coaches and everything else. He's a, he's a fantastic guy. That's yeah. awesome. That's a great story. I didn't, uh, I didn't know too too much about that. That that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I'll say, I mean, I think you know, you say you should have known better, but I mean, like you say, I mean, in your head, your whole life, this is what you've been, you know, fearing, and and like I said, that's why I think what you're doing is so important. Obviously, your story is a compelling story, and it's an interesting story, and it's absolutely you know, it, it's a it's a great story of you overcoming something, but. But what I think it really helps the most is is people that are going through something that you're going through and worried about the people in their life reacting and, you know, their life blowing up in front of their face because, you know, all because they let this secret out that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, obviously is important and, you know, and, and can define you as a person. But other people, you know, can be just as accepting of it and and you not even know. And so I think that it's just, it's so important for you to, you know, to tell your story and to, and to be honest with people. And it's just, it takes a lot of courage, obviously to do, which is great that there's people doing it, but for people to hear you say that, you know, hopefully it will, you know, alleviate some of those pressures that they felt their whole life too. Yeah. I, I've, I've gotten support from people. I, I never, expected it like right when i first came out mr Kraft reached out and he was in he was in israel when he reached out and uh, mike rabel called i didn't even know mike had my number but you know i, I heard from so many people that i never expected to hear from just to that's awesome just to say you know hey we're proud of you you know everything's cool um and you know that 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 means a lot you know but uh guys like mr Kraft have have been a huge you know supportive the LGBT community as a whole and, and different charities and you know even my charity made a generous contribution too so I'm uh I'm very grateful for, for people like him 
That's and great. did you play with did you play with Vrabel both in New England and in Kansas City? Or am I blanking on the years here? Yeah, no, I did. So I, I played in both. I played with Mike my whole career. Um, yeah, that's what I thought because um, I, I was kind of different. thinking back when he got traded, but I figured it was right around the time you guys are both on the Patriots and Chiefs. Yeah, Mike. Mike was a he was a great guy. Smart as they come, and just uh, yeah. And overall, he was just a great guy, and um, he was our union rep too. So he was always looking after everyone else, and um, I'm not surprised he's coaching now. Yeah. yeah. He's good at it too. He's really good at it. It yeah. seems, seems like at least a fo- true um, football guy right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, we're going to talk a little football. I know you say you don't, you don't watch football anymore, but you did play football. So I just have a question for you since you protected both of them. Would you pick Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? It's a, it's a weighing question that people have to know. You did protect both of them. You're one of the only guys to protect both of them. So I just I, I wanted your opinion on it. I mean, come on. You just have to count Super Bowl rings. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, you know. yeah I know. Brady any day. He's uh, even at the young age he's at now. Um, there, there's there's no betting against Brady, you know, especially the Patriots. As long as Belichick and Brady are together, the Patriots will always have a chance. Yeah. Absolutely. You, and I have, a, I have a question you're a too. Cool, if you think otherwise. Yeah. I, sorry. I have a question too regarding the Patriots too. When you were on that 2007 team with Randy Moss, um, I was just growing up then. I was probably what was I 11 years old then. So that was kind of start when I started to understand football. But um, I kind of wish I got to see Randy Moss in his prime because um, he was just so good. I, I don't know what you could say about him as a as a player. Yeah, I as far as Randy goes, you know, the first thing that always comes to mind is when he came to New England, he had this reputation um back when he played for who was it, Minnesota and then Straight Oakland. Cash homie. <laughs> yeah, and he was supposed to be a bad teammate, this, that and the other thing. That's not true. Randy Randy was awesome. He got along with everyone. He was a he was funny. Um Yeah, when you see him on T V he looks he looks like a great guy. Yeah, no, he was. He was a great guy. Yeah. And, and I, I judged a lot of, you know, there's a lot of guys like Randy and say uh, a lot of big name guys that, you know, a lot of them don't even know, you know, the rookie or the backup tackle's name. Randy knew my name. So, you know, I, I judge a lot of guys based off that too, that, um, yeah, you know, he's actually a good teammate. And, um, Randy minded his own business for the most part, but, um, yeah, he was, he was an awesome player and, and also a great guy. That's cool. That's really cool. One, uh, two more guys I want to ask you about, and then and then we'll we'll stop talking football. But uh, I, I got to no, ask you about football. No, <laughs> uh, Belichick and Scarnecchia. Was Scar was your was your O line coach back in back in 06? Yeah, so uh, Scar was there the whole time. You, um, I know, I've, he's been there forever, but I didn't know if he. I know he bounced around a little bit, but he's been O line for for that whole time, right? Yeah, and and he deserves a tremendous amount of credit, especially after I experienced other offensive line coaches. You kind of learn to appreciate exactly what Scar did and his philosophy and how he how he taught guys and and got the most out of them. Um, you know, it, it was a shocking difference from when I left New England and went to Kansas City as, as far as the preparation and everything that that went into each and every week. It uh, there wasn't one minute of practice in New England with Scar as the O line coach. 
where we were just sitting down and hanging out. He always was yelling at someone or making someone do something extra or had the drill going. Um, but he just, he just demanded perfection and he got it out of guys. And, you know, he, he turned guys that never played football before into, you know, into Super Bowl champions like Steve Neal. Like he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for, you know, what New England's been able to do on offense. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's so damn good. It's ridiculous. And he's still going. He's another guy that's ageless. Yeah, he went back. There, he, he retired for a couple he, years, but didn't he go back? He did. So he retired before the 2014 season, and they won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, and and then when, I think. And then the next year, right? Didn't Brady get sacked like the most in his career, and they brought him back? Yeah. Yeah, they brought him back before the 2016 season, and he's been back ever since. Um, so he's been, he's still going. He's still ticking. Yeah. He's uh, he's crazy over there. And the last guy is, is Belichick, Bill Belichick. I mean, I don't know if you have, you know, if you if you if you've talked to him since, or you know what what the case may be. But I was just curious about like your your interaction with him, at, you know, when you were there, and if you've talked to him since. Yeah, so I, I haven't talked to him since, but um, as an offensive player, you don't chat with Bill a lot. He, you know, he hired a good offensive coordinator, had all the people there, and he basically let the offense and the offensive staff, you know, take care of it. Obviously, as a head coach, you check in and make sure people are doing their damn job, but, you know, he was a defensive guy, so I didn't have many conversations with Bill when I was there. I think when I got drafted, um, we had a quick conversation, a couple passings in the hallway, you know, how you doing, but um, oh, and when I got released, we had a quick conversation of, of you know, what was going on. But uh, beyond that, um, we never really chatted much. You know, obviously, I saw and heard a lot of them during team meetings and on the field and everything else. And um, right, he, uh, he treated everyone equally. If, you know, Brady doesn't sit there on a gold throne or anything, if he messes up, he gets yelled at just like anyone else. And um, you know he has a way of you, know, you gotta you gotta believe you're gonna win as a team and, and Belichick has a way of just letting the guys and, and beating it in their heads that you know you're gonna win and I think everyone has complete faith in what he's doing so everyone just buys into his system and, and listens to him and does what he says and obviously worked out. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. do you think do you think he's um kind of engraving that into, you know, obviously Josh McDaniels has been there for a while, but you know, I'm not sure if you know them. The the newer guys are there now, like Gerard Mayo, the um do you think he's kind of engraving that kind of style into their head so that way when he does walk away it, it the, that kind of mentality stays? Yeah, I I would hope he's leaving when he does leave the team, he leaves it in good condition. I, you know, I, I definitely think he would do that for Mr. Kraft. Um, Mayo's still playing, right? Because he was there when I was there. He's a no. He he's a coach now, and oh. he was on TV for a couple of years. He he kind of had a shorter career. I think he only played about eight or nine years, right, Pat? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. retired a few a few years back and was on TV for a while, and then and then he's back this year his first year coaching is this year he's coaching linebackers yeah so, sometimes i forget how long i've been retired but i actually haven't, I haven't played since 2012 and the years just keep clicking by yep well, they yeah. do don't they it's it's crazy yeah so is that ever everyone thinks that mcdaniels is going to get the head job is that the is that the talk in boston yeah i mean we'll see i mean it's interesting he's got 
Bill has his sons working there now too, and so they're kind of been moving up the ranks a little bit. And see, I you know, I think it's Mayo. I have a I have a kind of a weird feeling just because he's a defensive know? mind and he called him one of the smartest players he's ever coached. I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of people would have bet it would have been Patricia, but yeah, you know, he, yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. I, I would. I wouldn't go placing any bets on that yet. Just. Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know if he's ever going to retire, so I don't know if we're going to have to worry about <laughs> replacing him. So it's not, you know, we'll yeah. see. Oh, but yeah. he said, you know, he said in an interview he didn't want to be like Marv Levy and coach into his seventies, but he's turned here or in two years, and he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. So, um, yeah. you know. I don't know if he's still got his fastball, I guess. What the heck, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I obviously know nothing, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if him and Brady left at the same time. But yeah, I, I know absolutely nothing. Right. That. All right. No, I got you. Uh, one last question for you. Who's your favorite teammate of all time? And, you know, obviously you can go back to and Cal, or unless you want to, I suppose. Um, but, you know, who's your who's your favorite teammate? Of all time, oh man, that's a you had to pick one. That's a good question. Um, it was probably nice. Aaron Murs. So I played next to Aaron in college, uh, and we lived together for a majority of the time. Um, he was he was just another giant offensive lineman, and uh, we played next to each other, played well together. We always just you know, quite frankly, dominated the guy, I guess, from us, and I guess it was, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, you know, and to this day, we we still chat, you know, often enough, and, uh, but I've had a lot of good teammates over the years, a lot of, a lot of memorable ones. Um, Marshawn Lynch was a, was a good teammate. He was always hilarious and, uh, you know, a lot of fun off the field, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think more about the college days just because I, I have more friends left from, you know, the college times. and you know, Yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. You do a lot more in college. Right, well, then you're together, you know, for consistently, right? Whereas there's guys coming in and out in the NFL and stuff like that, and you go on and they stay there or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah, and, you know, you're you're growing and experiencing a lot of things too at, at the same time with these guys in college so right you end up you end up building some memories yeah oh yeah like everyone can relate to that for sure so yeah. um I took, I took full advantage of what berkeley had to offer <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you listen you're not alone i mean I, that's that's kind of the college story for most people so yeah. uh I hope as so. you should have you know yeah. so Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Listen, I uh, yeah, we really appreciate plug it. Plug your book one more time. You were now. This is going to air on Friday. A little peek behind the curtain. We're recording earlier, but you. So I guess I guess we can use past tense. But you're going on the uh, the Today Show on uh, Thursday, is it? Uh, on the third, I will be on the Today on Show. So yeah, oh, perfect. so, so um, yeah, so we we already uh, filmed the. Um, intro to that but then we do the live in studio on the third so i feel super fortunate and lucky that that they want to uh take on my book um you know and hopefully it uh, hopefully hopefully it sells and does well because you know every penny that i make from the books going to my charity and um really the the more the more that that brings in the uh, more that i can do for the you know lgbt community right no that's that's great. And that, you know, I mean, 
oftentimes you hear someone writing a memoir and you're like, oh, you know, good, good for them. And they're writing one and this and that. But then also, you know, it's about kind of going after that cash grab and things like that. And obviously not the case here for you where you're doing it specifically to raise money and and giving back. And like I said, I mean, I think that's why your story is so important because of the people you'll be affecting. But then not only are you affecting people with your story, but then you're literally affecting people with your story because you're using all the money that comes from that, uh, you know, to, to bring, to give back to your charity. That's, that's, that's great stuff right there. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And I, I also like to add, you know, my, so my charity is called the Ryan O'Callaghan foundation. It's ROFDN.org. And, you know, it, it's a lot of athletes and people start these charities and they have 90% overhead where they're paying themselves and family members. So my charity, we don't pay anyone. I don't make a penny. No one on the board makes a penny. Every penny in goes out back to the community. So, you know, it really is going towards a good cause. All right. Great. Now you said it was, repeat that website just so we hear. Yeah, it's ROFDN.org or you can just Google the Ryan O'Callaghan Foundation. Perfect. ROFDN.org. All right. So anyone that wants to donate, certainly get out there and donate. You're going to be on the Today Show on, so that'd be Tuesday, uh, the 3rd. And uh, and the book is available to pre-order right now on Amazon if you don't want to wait. Well, I guess you got to wait anyways. But but if you, don't, if you don't want to wait to buy it, you can, you can make sure you get your copy uh, and pre-order it now. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to come on again, we'd love to, we'd love to talk, talk with you and we, maybe we can even talk about football, even though you're not watching it, we can, you know, we can talk about it anyways. Hey, I'm happy to talk about football. It's part of, uh, being an ex player, you know, you don't have to like yeah. to talk. about. It. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on reach out anytime you guys. All right, man. Take care. Thanks a lot. All right. You too. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.